Ryan Stanton here with ASEP Frontline, and um, we're here at MEMA 23, so the Michigan Emergency Medicine Assembly with Michigan ASEP at Mackinac Island. Um, continuation of our series recorded live here at the conference, uh, which is fantastic because I actually haven't had that many conferences that have been back since COVID where we've been able to do significant recording, uh, which, is, which is nice. Uh, so I'm knocking out eight, eight today, I believe. Um, so we're, we're going on a date night uh, tonight with uh, Dr. Jennifer Stevenson, um, and we're going to talk about a little bit of diversity, equity, inclusion, and some projects uh, that she and they have worked on. And um, just first and foremost, give us a little background on yourself, let folks know who you are. Thank you so much. My name is Jennifer Stevenson. As you had mentioned, I am a practicing emergency medicine physician. I've been practicing for about 25 years. I work in Dearborn, Michigan, which is just outside of Detroit. Um, I work in a freestanding emergency department. We see about 65,000 visits. And many people might not be aware, um, but Dearborn actually has the largest um, Arabic population outside of the Middle East. So the demographic that we care for in Dearborn is maybe a little bit different from the demographic that the majority of our colleagues across the country have the privilege um, to, to see in their department. I'm also the department chair of this emergency department, um, which provides me amazing opportunities to be a part of projects such as this. Fantastic, and that does make sense into, in terms of the background title of the Ramadan Mubarak. Um, and so let's, let's first, uh, you start your talk with a little bit of the background of Ramadan, um, and so as your anchor, as your kind of core foundation of the project that you're working on, so give us a little background on that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So again, practicing in a community in which we care for a large Arabic population where very many of our patients and our staff members, um, for that matter, um, are practicing Muslims, mm -hmm. which is a religion that I would imagine that it's definitely not the majority religion. It's definitely a minority religion within the United States. So there's somewhat limited um, understanding of some of the cultural traditions that exist within um, this religion. There biggest celebration uh, throughout the course of the year is Ramadan. And many people are unfamiliar. When I first started working in Dearborn, I was unfamiliar with the details of Ramadan. The one thing that I did know about this is it's a 30-day, between 29 and 30-day um, um, holiday in which what comes to most people's minds if they have um, a, any sort of background with this religion is the fasting. So during these 30 days, um, practicing Muslims are fasting from sunup to sundown. So with respect to the emergency department, it creates on some levels a challenge um, to care for these patients. There's um, all sorts of challenges. As you can imagine, um, emergency department visits are overwhelmingly unscheduled and unplanned. Um, so this portion of this uh, religious celebration that involves fasting from sunup to sundown makes those time periods, like when the sun is setting and now our patients can start to nourish themselves again and eat and drink, there's this um, 
just a heightened urgency to get back to be with their families and be able to break this fast and nourish themselves. You can imagine how challenging it must be to be fasting throughout the entirety of the day. Um, there's more to the practice of Ramadan than just the fasting, though. There's also a deep commitment to gathering with friends and family. There's a deep commitment to praying. The whole concept of the fast, and again, forgive me, this is me speaking as not a practicing Muslim, so I, I'm hoping that I'm representing this religion um, in the manner in which it deserves to be represented, which is an absolutely lovely practice um, of fasting during Ramadan and, and the practice of Ramadan itself. Um, there's this um, feeling that by fasting and by spending this time praying that it brings people closer to God and it helps them understand the suffering of those who don't have all the privileges um, that the rest of us do. So you have this, this, um, this local uh, kind of emphasis, focus, reason for using this. Um, so look at how, it, how does this play, um, and even this with other faiths, into um, some of the DEI efforts within emergency medicine? Right. So this was an opportunity to celebrate a demographic that is really fairly underrepresented when it comes to, um, of course, like the majority um, religion in, in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, let me tell you a little bit, if you don't mind, about the background of how this project came to me, and I think it will answer some of this, this quest these questions for you. So I was connected with um, a colleague of ours. Her name is Hanya Salama. She's a emergency medicine physician at Children's Hospital of Michigan. She um, is a practicing Muslim, and she experienced firsthand the challenge of fasting while she was attempting to work. And she understood firsthand how difficult it is when the sun is beginning to set. Like, does she ha is she at a place in the course of her day where she can break her fast, and she can take a minute to step away and nourish herself. And as she thought about this, she thought, well, is this something that I can share then with the population within my emergency department? Can I share this with my patients and with their family members? So she really generated this really wonderful idea of handing out dates. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, the fast is broken with a date. The um, Prophet Muhammad um, would ate a date when the time came, and the time in which the fast is broken is different every single day. It depends on the cycle of the sun and the moon. So he broke his fast with a date. So there's a great symbolic um, aspect to handing out dates at the end of the day. It's also an excellent source of immediate energy for these individuals who've been, again, without all day long. So she started this practice down at Children's Hospital of Michigan. And as you can probably imagine, there are a tremendous number of residents and students 
who rotate through Children's Hospital of Michigan. One of them was a colleague of mine, Dr. Esmina Mohammed, who is one of our second year residents in the emergency department at Henry Ford Hospital. And she brought this lovely practice to the emergency department at Henry Ford, Maine. There was awareness across the health system that I had the privilege of being the director at Henry Ford Fairlane in Dearborn, which again, we care for this huge population um, of individuals from the Middle East and great opportunity to spread this. It's not only um, just an absolutely like lovely, respectful practice. It, through the years working in the department at Fairlane, myself and my colleagues and the members of the staff, you would care for patients who were fasting. And again, it was always challenging on a level um, because you want to provide these treatments and provide these therapies, but also be respectful um, of their religious convictions. And it provided us a way to really acknowledge and celebrate and show respects um, and, and it spreads so much joy. I, I just can't even put into words what an absolutely lovely experience this has been. So with that, um, you know, because of that, the, that population and being able to spread that, and clearly, you know, how do you, that potential of expanding with considerations um, of other faiths, religions, backgrounds, cultures, right. in our emergency department, because that is one of the most important considerations for us, not only from a staff, but also a patient standpoint, is folks' backgrounds, you know, and that's, you know, when I try to teach, it's, uh, it's consideration of saying this is this person's background, this is the things to consider, this is how it's going to present, potentially be experienced differently, and the things that you need to, you know, being aware of, the, the things that may either make people more comfortable or less comfortable uh, with their experience. So, you know, how does this translate into a larger scale? So, Ryan, one of the concepts that I love sharing is, and this is this is not my phrase, but I love to spread it, is be curious. Like, be curious of the different qualities in others that are different maybe from what you're accustomed to. Like, you know this. When we talk about diversity, diversity exists on so many different levels. And this project really fell in my lap. It's been interesting through these past couple of years, we have dealt with so much adversity in emergency medicine. We, as you know, through the pandemic, we dealt with challenges with respect to oxygen delivery. We dealt with challenges with respect to vaccine management, Paxlovid administration. Um, we dealt with issues with the workforce, with, um, no problem. Um, EMS delays, RSV, I feel like we've had limited capacity on many levels for projects such as this. Mm -hmm. I would hope that colleagues who work across the country are maybe starting to feel like they've got a little bit of renewed capacity to be a little curious, to dive into some of these um, diversity, equity, and inclusion projects to look a little more deeply into your community. There's a resource that's available through the a website through the U.S. Census in which you can enter the zip code 
where you live, you can enter any zip code across the country and you will receive a list of the various religious groups that are populous within your community. Maybe take a look, maybe explore a little bit more deeply, maybe step outside of the comfort zone to learn a little bit more about some of the other cultures that exist around you. I have found personally that the curiosity is always met with tremendous gratitude and, and respect and joy. And these are the things that bring us closer together. And, and that's what we need. This is what we do. We care for people. We care for their body, mind, and spirit. We tend to focus on the illness, but really if we can find a way to connect with people over and above that, to develop the trust, the respect, the rapport, we are gonna recruit so much more compliance from our patients if we show them the acknowledgement and the respect. And I, I think it's an absolutely lovely um, mentality to embrace. And I would, I would love to help whoever is interested in being a part of an initiative such as this. So the site you're referencing there is the ARDA, A-R-D-A, the Association of, Religious, of Religion Data Archives. I think if you probably type in the ARDA, you'll get, uh, you'll get everything. So religious demographics by county. And I think the one you've got here is the county in which you work. Is that yes. correct? Correct. So it's uh, talking about a lot of those things. So actually traveling around with motorsports and everything is, is the observations of, of the difference, especially the presence of, of religious facilities and, and things of that nature and, and the concentration of force growing up in the South where you know you may have one at every corner and it may be literally every single corner of four corners um, you know facing each other um, and one of the areas that we've I think we've all dealt with and because this is uh, the education you talk about it in your talk is the Jehovah's Witness and the challenges we face at trauma centers when Jehovah Witness uh, come in um, talk about that a little bit and, and, and some of those strategies in the emergency department because that is an important consideration with this, with this, with their, with the Jehovah's Witnesses belief system in avoiding blood products or anything from somebody else. Yeah, you bet, Ryan. So being involved in this project celebrating Ramadan caused me to spend some time reflecting upon some of the past experiences that I've had. And I'll tell you, my presentation here at this conference is primarily focused on some like religious diversity. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, I had a 30 minute time slot, so this is kind of what fit into the time slot which I had to work with. Um, there was a patient that I saw years ago, pre-pandemic. She came into the department in the middle of the night and she came with an entourage, which was a little bit uh, unique. She presented with a chief complaint that I don't recall. I don't recall that she required blood products, but this entourage that followed her, they were members of her congregation, um, and she was Jehovah's Witness, and they were there to support her and to advocate for her um, in the event that the suggestion was gonna be made that she require blood products. Mm -hmm. It was very interesting when I first sat across uh, the room from her and from these members of her congregation, there was most, they were most definitely guarded. They were 
um, a little apprehensive um, with respect to how her religious convictions were going to be received with respect to blood products. And then once we developed a bit of rapport and they understood that I wasn't going to you know, strong arm anyone into anything that they didn't want and, and agree to, um, we developed a much more open sort of conversation and, and, and a very interesting conversation. And this, there was a gentleman with her from her church who asked me if I have ever read the Jehovah's Witness. It's like a, it looks like a research, but it's almost like a research paper. Like it's actually got 577 um, references on the bottom of this paper um, with respect to blood conservation. And I told him that I had not, and he provided a copy of it for me. And I didn't have a chance to read it, of course, during my shift. We were a little busy. But the next day, I sat down and I poured through it. And it was tremendously eye-opening. It was very, very interesting. It was, it described measures that, again, in my opinion, could be applied to very, very many patients um, within medicine to do a much better job of being much better stewards, stewards of the blood products that we have available to us. We've all you know, found ourselves practicing in a time where we've become much more keenly aware of the fact that there are not unlimited resources in medicine. And it, and it just, it really, it very much opened my eyes. It, it was one of these like early sort of like aha moments where I was like, you can't, Jennifer, you cannot shut your brain down. Like you can't um, make any sort of judgment assumption. You need to be curious. You need to explore some of these other ideas and concepts um, critically. That's what we do in medicine, right? We mm -hmm. critically, critically appraise. Um, and oftentimes we'll learn something, not just about this like amazing like blood conservation um, ideas and but just an opportunity and an avenue to connect with our patients, to show respect for their convictions and develop that rapport, which again is what's gonna drive their compliance and their trust with the advice that we're providing them. And that's nice because each each community, as you mentioned, the sites site from before, and not necessarily just even just you know from the religious standpoint, but even cultural, you know, because um, yes. in my community we have a significant um, uh, Congolese population. You know, understanding the community, especially if they're maintaining many of those practices um, from home, uh, and and understanding, I think one of the most important things I even mentioned already was how they experience things, and so. Um, with uh, with Lexington being um, a very large horse industry area, we have a very large. In fact, our our second our largest minority population is Hispanic, uh, which is is not common throughout the country, especially that part of the country. And so, understanding how the experiences, how they communicate, the fears that they have, especially with you know some folks who may be undocumented, of uh, the fear of deportation, the fear of of, of retrib retribution. Um, of being able to connect and being able to bridge that gap to say, here, this is what I'm here for, is to help you not to, I'm not law enforcement, I'm not whatever this is, I'm not going to force anything, just as you mentioned with the um, Jehovah's Witness aspect of things and saying this is, this is a team sport, 
you know, we're working in this together, not just as me telling you what to do or what we're going to do. As, let's talk, I'll give you, I'll get information, make recommendations, you tell us where and we work together on the best outcome. So give, give some closing thoughts and ideas on how you of implementing these things and being a better emergency physician with regard to DEI. So I want to tell you a little bit about some of the details of what this project actually looks like, and it's going to answer that question okay, for you. Um, so again, Dr. Salama and Dr. Mohammed came up with this project in which they um, packaged dates and handed them out to the patients and their family members right about 7.30 in the evening as it was becoming time for the sun to set. So I decided that we were gonna do this at our Fairlane Emergency Department as well, but this was gonna require a, a bit of effort to um, obtain and get all of the um, different um, equipment that we needed, the materials, and, and package all of these dates. So we recruited help from our, my colleagues, from the nursing staff, the registration staff, the tech staff, and I put out these weekly notices and reserved a room, and we're gonna gather um, for one hour a week to put these dates together. This was maybe one of the under um, unexpected like joys of this particular project is the number of people who responded to be a part of this. And what we found, what I found, is I was sitting around the table with different members of the staff that I otherwise hadn't sat around a table with. And we took that opportunity to discuss um, some of their cultural traditions. Mm -hmm. And very many members who sat down across from me to prepare these dates were practicing Muslims who were fasting. And they shared with me all sorts of lovely stories and lovely traditions. And these would have been this would have been information that had been very difficult to tease out otherwise. But we're sitting together, we're gathering, we're spending this time one-on-one, two-on-one, four-on-one, sharing each other's experiences, spending a minute maybe on some level walking in each other's shoes. And it was absolutely lovely. We brought these package dates back to the emergency department and everyone in our department was overjoyed with the opportunity to be able to provide this nourishment and this show of respect and support to our patients and their families. We opened this up to all of our staff. And since the pandemic, we've had a tremendous turnover in our staff, as many of us have experienced in emergency departments. And I would say the majority of our staff were fasting as well. So they knew firsthand what it felt like to work through the day without having food and water. And they were just overjoyed to provide that support. The patients and their families, just the joy on their face. Like we worked in this community, the department that I work in has been a part of Dearborn for well over 30 years. Mm -hmm. But we've never undertaken a practice like this. It just had never dawned on us before. And there's, you just can't put a 
price tag on the value of connecting your emergency department with the community on facilitating trust and acknowledgement and joy and love. It was such a win, 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 win situation of all of the problems that we've dealt with in the past few years. This is the project that has brought so much joy to so many people, which is why I'm so thrilled to share this with you today. Like this is the secret sauce. This is how you combat burnout. This is how you um, restore some of the energy and the joy and the love that you have for the practice of emergency medicine, for me anyway, and I'm gonna make this suggestion that this will translate to very many of our colleagues, is through projects like this. And I'm hopeful that there's a capacity out there to explore the diversity within our communities and to celebrate that. Yeah, and I feel like for so many years we've Many, especially academic settings, have tried to um, tried to expunge any individuality like that. And you know, I think it's important, you know, to to invest in each uh, each person and in, in their practices and beliefs and meet them where they are, because that really is what we have to do anyway in terms of our jobs if we're going to be great emergency physicians. So, how can folks get in touch with you um, if they've got any uh, questions, email, social media, however it may be? not only questions on this, thoughts, but also how to bring this into their own departments. Wonderful, so Ryan, I have to confess that I am not young, so I do not have social media presence, but I do have an email address, and I would be so thrilled to receive every bit of communication that anybody would love to share with me. I would be thrilled to help any department initiate a program such as this. I know that Dr. Salama, as well as Dr. Mohammed, also feel extremely strong about this as well. And we are all here to support um, and help. And that email is jsteve10 at hfhs.org. So jsteve10 at hfhs.org. That's a lot of, that's a weird combination of H's. Henry Ford Health System. <laughs> yeah, just put them as the initials. It's it's. You got it. Time you can nail it. Um, as for me, you can contact me, rstantonadasep.org, rstantonadasep.org. A reminder that the uh, registration is now open for ASEP 23 uh, in Philadelphia. The time is getting close, uh, but if you want to join all of your uh, nationwide colleagues in Philadelphia this year, you can register. And if you, if you put uh, Frontline in the registration, you can get $50 off, and you're also getting the uh, virtual ASEP as well. So a little bit of benefit to join us all in Philadelphia. And uh, I think one of the most important things is being with your colleagues. And so this gives the opportunity not only for great education, catching up to it later if you miss something, but also getting to hang out with fellow physicians. Uh, you can also hook me up or hit me up or whatever it's called um, on uh, the X now, which I guess formerly known as Twitter, um, is uh, at, uh, at Everyday Med. I think we're still doing the at. I don't know if that's been changed either. Uh, you know, every day I'm just learning something new on social media. And then uh, as well as available on Instagram. And until next time, I'm Dr. Ryan Stanton, and this has been some ASAP Frontline.
If you're not on the front lines, you're on the sidelines. Cue the music. Bam, bam, bam. Quiet place. All yeah. alone. Da, da, da.